This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Comstock Channel. I'm Marlon Bowling with you. Glad to have you on board. This time we're going to do a weekly recap of what took place in the markets and what in the world is the market trying to tell us as we headed into the weekend and get ready for next week. Well, it was a super chaotic week in the markets. And uh, I want to remind you to be sure and like and subscribe and share this video with others so that we can pass the word around. I have Eric Ralph with me, and he is, of course, with Comstock Investments. And Eric, as we look back on the week, of course, the highlight or low light maybe would be the WASDE report that came out. Um, and it surprised a few folks by the fact that USDA didn't seem to muster up the courage to drop its uh, estimates for Brazil production this year. Uh, beyond that, was there much to talk about? Well, to me, the bigger talking point was not only did they not adjust what we expected, you know, they pulled a million metric tons off of their production estimate for Brazilian soybeans, but they countered that with a 2 million ton increase to the prior crop year that's been out of the field for a year. So not only do we not decrease what we think we should, but we actually increase the overall number uh, over a two-year span by a million metric tons. So yeah, definitely a, a, a bad deal from the USDA. And I think many are scoffing at it and focusing more on the CONAB numbers that came out a couple hours prior to that USDA report, which are much more in line with maybe some of the private estimates. You had uh, CONAB comes out at 8.30 in the morning with a 149.4 and then USDA at 11 o'clock at a 156. I mean, it's just, it doesn't make sense. And, and you know, Matthew Cruz and I have talked numerous times about this particular scenario when we see these differing figures. We're gonna lean towards trusting the people with boots on the proper piece of ground. And in this case, that being Brazil. So we tend to lean more with CONAB when it comes to Brazil numbers. We probably won't call CONAB to ask them about their estimate for Iowa this summer. <laughs> Our own in-house estimates are closer to 145, aren't they? Yeah, closer to 145, uh, 146 and a half, that, that kind of neighborhood. And, and that's based on boots on the ground and actually getting hands out in the fields and talking to producers and many of those being large producers that are going to be 20, 25, even 30 percent back of last year on their soybean yields. And, and you're talking 30 to 50,000 acre farms. These aren't tiny samplings. These are these are meaningful numbers, you know. So, yeah, it, it, I, I think Matthew hits that pretty close when he throws numbers at it. Am I correct in saying that we made more new contract lows in the corn than on Friday? Corn, yes. Uh, actually, corn made a new low for the move, and all the contracts are making new lows for the moves. Uh, March hit a new low, took out 430 support, and then the worst part about it is closed below there. And so that was definitely something that's going to draw uh, a distrust in the bull camp. They're going to be very hesitant. Anybody that may have been lined up to try to buy a better weekly close this week uh, stepped out of line today, and that hurts. You know, you're you're at a juncture here where it's kind of a do or die moment and and we're dying. Um, and, and I don't know prior to potentials in late April and early May, I don't know what's going to trigger these grain markets to do something different than what we're seeing now. And that is just continue to disappoint. Well, right now, we don't really have any support underneath the market anywhere, do we? Uh, you got to go a little ways. You know, you're you're under four at this point. I mean, four is going to be psychological on that front month corn. So, right. you know, your March spot 
you, you've got some psychological support at four, but then you're 396, 391, and and these these numbers just don't work, especially post inflation. You, you know, with the cost of inputs and the cost of equipment, and the cost of, of rent. You know, your cash rent prices are they're not coming down this spring, uh, not not like they need to compared to the price of the grain. So you're you're trying to you're trying to feed too big a horse with too small a trough here, and, and I don't know what's going to tr- trigger this. Well, you know, I was watching how the market acted after the WASDA report was released, and like you say, the initial knee jerk reaction was to just immediately sell off the soybeans there. But mm-hmm. with about fifteen minutes to go in the trading session, we had this big rally. I mean, the beans rallied like ten or thirteen cents, something like that, mm-hmm. before they kind of tailed off into the close there. But there for a while, it looked like, well, gosh, maybe they made the bottom on bearish news, and it was ready to turn around, and everybody was maybe bottom picking and ready to lift that thing on out of there. That seemed to negate that all on Friday again. Yeah, nearly. Um, the only thing that I, I I made the comment that there's a there's a thumbtack size hook that the bulls can hang their hat on in the grain market right now, and that is that March soybeans did not make a new low each of the last two days. The low was posted on Wednesday. We had a little bit higher low on Thursday, a little bit higher low again today. It's it's minimal and it's grasping at straws, but it is something that we didn't go out and make a new low after that report. What that tells me is that traders are leaning like us to agree with Conab and not so much the USDA. And and the USDA, you know, they're putting out the numbers that they believe to be accurate. And and I'm not faulting anybody at the USDA or their methodology, but the USDA is always slow to roll numbers. And so while CONAB may be more aggressive and, and, and have a, maybe a little more clear picture, the USDA is not just trying to uh, gouge the U.S. farmer. They're going to be slower to let it play out because the U.S. farmer has won time and time and time again. And so they want to let this crop come out of the field and get a better feel for it before they'll agree to adjust the numbers accordingly. And no matter what, they're going to slow roll. Well, you know, that seems to be an uncomfortable MO, not only with USDA, but most federal agencies anymore, to where they tend to come out with a report and then they say, oh, by the way, these last several reports, we're going to amend all those after the fact and then fudge on all those numbers, but they don't get the coverage. And it's like they just keep sliding it under the table there to backtrack and cover their tracks, I should say. And... uh, that leads a lot of people to distrust the entire process when they keep doing that all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's no different than how people distrust Chinese purchases of U.S. grain because they can turn around and cancel them at any time until they're shipped. You know, it's the same scenario, you know, and it draws the same response from traders and from farmers and anybody who has a vested interest in the U.S. grain market. It's the same exact situation. You know, okay, yeah, but do you believe it? That's what I hear all day long. But do you really believe that? Um, it doesn't matter what we believe. It only matters what they print on paper. And ultimately, that's what Chicago is going to trade on a month to month basis. Well, you talked about uh, hanging your hat on something and I'm trying to find something to hang my wheat hat on. I can't find much there. What? How about you? Really? You know, it was expected. But Stats Canada comes out total wheat stocks 10 percent lower um, that I mean, it's small, but. 
but no, there's there's really not much. I mean, you've got Russia continuing to offer wheat at discounted prices. You've got good production going on in several key areas around the world, including Australia, Argentina, and even here in the U.S. You've got improving conditions in the Plain State where you've got winter precipitation melting off. That's going to help at least coming out of dormancy, and then it's going to be up to Mother Nature to, to carry it from there because, as you well know, that soil is not uh, hard of the Corn Belt soil. It is very sand, it's it's arid sand loam. And so it's going to leave, it's going to lose that moisture quickly. And so it's not something that's going to carry for the first month of the growing season after we come out of dormancy, but it'll at least get it a good start. And with the amount of fog reports and the, the old adage of 90 days after fog, um, springtime could be good for the winter wheat. So, uh, not a lot to, to be bullish about as far as U.S. origin wheat, especially when we're increasing the carry 10 million bushel. Well, you know, we have talked in the past about what are the prospects for some kind of a black swan event to come in and just upset the markets. Now, in this case, everybody seems to be all bared up on the wheat trade. But boy, with the increasing tensions between Ukraine and Russia and the attacks going back and forth, and now it seems like the Baltics are getting into the act here. Uh, lots of NATO troops amassing in Eastern Europe there. Things are really getting heated up. And if things start, uh, as they say, popping off in that part of the world, wouldn't that disrupt all the shipments of wheat out of that Black Sea region there? The market's going to say prove it. So you can have whatever mm -hmm. whatever kind of disruptions going on uh, geopolitically and from, you know, between Ukraine and Russia, and maybe you move into the Baltics and maybe even Poland uh, gets involved or, or Belarus or whatever. But until the, until the grain movement is disrupted, the market is not going to give it what it did two years ago. And they're, they're going to say, prove it. If the grain stops moving, then maybe we have a storyline that we can hang our hat on. Right now, all we have is the USDA increasing Ukrainian wheat sales to the global cash market. Uh, until that shifts, then then we're likely not going to see a lot out of that. So again, you fall back to there's just not much there. Well, if you talk about a market proving itself, I'm looking over here at uh, a live cattle chart, and we've been what three four days now above the 200 day moving average. It has yeah. the appearance on the stochastics and, and technical indicators that it's overbought, but you know they've said that on corn and wheat for a long time too in the other direction yeah it's it's hard to stock stop a livestock bull especially a cattle bull and i'm i'm going to cheat here because in the last about 30 minutes i've received some text messages that i need to look at because uh one client says sold cattle for 182 that's in iowa that blows out last week's top of the market by three dollars uh i've got 287 dress 290 on the grid 286 picked up. So that's beaten last week's numbers by five and six dollars on the dress side of things. So um, th this thing's not done. If if we are seeing that kind of a jump in the cash market to end the week here, it's not going to be over with. And, and one of the big things is, is we've pulled $30 off the carcass weight in the last month due to the storms that hit the Central Plains early January. Um, you lose that kind of tonnage of beef and, and you've got a real serious problem on your hands in addition to everything else we've been talking about already. So it can be overbought for a long time and it can stay there. If you don't believe me, go look at a cocoa chart. Um, and, and so this, this could be sustained for quite some time yet. Well, and you kind of broke the story here a while back and it seems to be getting a little more traction as we go about uh, the growing concern about open heifers and open cows out there this 
uh, breeding season. And it sounds like veterinarians are starting to back up that claim. And, and from what I understand, you keep hearing more and more reports about that. And again, I want to encourage everybody, if they have some information about that, maybe in their own cattle herd, or if they know of yes. something in their area, I'm sure you would want to find out about that if they want to get in touch with you. Absolutely. Yeah. If anybody that's watching this, that if it's a neighbor, if it's your own, you know, if you can persuade somebody else, give me a call, give me an email, something, because this is something that I'm, I started picking up on maybe a little early, um, just from reports I was hearing from clients all over the country. And, and this, this is a nationwide problem that I think is probably going to end up coming back to being nutrition related. Um, because so far the, the weather blames that many have been relying on up until this year, uh, they're too variable. It's too big of a geographic region and the weather, you know, so you're dry here, you're wet there, you're cold there, you're hot there. You can point to all that stuff. But this is a big problem that I think is going to come down to um, either some particular type of supplement or some particular type of feed that is creating a bigger problem nationwide. And, and it may be the catalyst for the next move in cattle that I can't uh, quite wrap my head around. But that would have to be related to the feeders, right? Yeah, it would have to be. Um, and I don't know if it's if it's a one-off deal, if these are new you know, I can't speak to the age of the cows, the number of pregnancies, all of these things. Uh, and that's why I'd like to just learn so much more about it. But I think it's very intriguing and and would welcome conversations from anyone. Uh, real quickly, do you think the hog party is over for a while or not? I think for a little while. Um, I, I think the hogs, if, if the cash continues, then they're okay. Um, I don't think it will. Uh, this is usually a time where you see a little slump in the hogs and and then the April will start to regain some strength. But uh, if we can't blow out new contract highs uh, across the board here, then we're going to see some meaningful correction and, and, and then go again. But the hog market sure looks a whole lot better today than we thought it would a couple months ago. Well, again, uh, thanks for the comments. And I do want to encourage everybody out there if they have any information related to uh, uh, maybe the breeding season and the success of that out in the cow herd yeah. around the country. Uh, I'm sure you can <clears throat> get in touch with Eric. We'll put his contact info up on the screen and uh, he would uh, love to hear from you and uh, maybe exchange information with you about that and other things. In fact, there's just so much more information available here through the Comstock channel and Comstock investments. Just go to Comstock.com forward slash report and you can find a whole plethora of information there that you can take advantage of. In fact, for a dollar, just one dollar, you can get a one month free trial at some of the premium services there. So uh, check it out. You might be surprised at all that's available. Eric, yeah. uh, thanks for talking with me. I appreciate it. And I hope you have a good weekend. Maybe we can all kick back, relax, and watch a little football for at least a little while anyway. Huh? Yeah, we, we may have something to celebrate come Sunday night. <laughs> we'll see. It depends on <laughs> who you're rooting for. But thanks again, Eric Ralph with us. And that will do it for this particular weekend recap episode. For producer Brianne Hendrickson, I'm Marlon Bowling. We'll see you next time here on the Comstock Channel. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.